Welcome to VSI, Variation Selection Inheritance, a podcast production of the National Science Foundation's Beacon Center for the Study of Evolution in Action. I'm Randall Hayes. Four days ago, I got an email from last week's guest, Mike Hager. It said, and I quote, I caught myself in a few factual errors. Do you need to post corrections? Um, yes. Yes, I do. So, for the record, the Creation Museum and its associated parking lots cost $27 million to build, not $17 million, and it was funded by a group called Answers in Genesis, not by the Institute for Creation Research. The main guy behind that project, Ken Ham, which is apparently spelled with one M and not two, as it would be were he a Kentucky native, used to work for the ICR, but he doesn't anymore. Those answers, courtesy of Wikipedia. News organizations hate posting corrections. But they're in the business of selling information, and so quite naturally bad information hurts their credibility. They want to brand themselves as authorities. That's why they never ever talk to normal people, except for eyewitness accounts or man-on-the-street opinion surveys. Normal people are not experts. They don't have degrees after their names. They have no titles or reputations to protect. And there's a good chance they have fewer obsessive-compulsive personality traits. So news organizations recruit authorities to answer questions and only let normal people call in to ask questions. And they don't print their retractions on the front page. Science, on the other hand, is just one mistake after another until you stumble across an answer that's good enough for right now. Most of our inventions were happy accidents, penicillin being probably the most famous one, but there are plenty of others. Check out the old BBC show Connections starring James Burke for just as many examples as you would like. When you are a scientist doing research into a serious question where nobody knows what the answer is, then, you know, there aren't any authorities. There's not really anyone to appeal to, but the data. This creates a weird selective environment, not necessarily for intelligence, but for particular personality types. If you're a person who takes comfort from authority, you will find less of that in the scientific community than in other places. You might make it as a lab tech, but you probably won't run your own lab. I think a lot of the conflict between science and religion has to do with these nonconformist personality t- tendencies, which put us science types at odds with the basic social primate tendency to just learn by copying. Contagious learning allows innovations to spread really quickly, and it's paid off in a major way for our species. I can type on this here computer, which I did not build myself. One downside of this same kind of contagious learning is that mistakes can spread just as easily, or even better, if they take advantage of our other built-in biases like authority or comfort or sex. Our brains are not really built to seek truth. They're built to survive long enough to reproduce. Let's approach that same truth-seeking issue from a different direction. When Claude Shannon formulated information theory, he said essentially that there's no new information in a perfect prediction. The only time you get new information is when you're surprised. Our brains are partially built around this principle. We're much happier when we're pleasantly surprised 
than we are when we're pleasantly confirmed. You can actually measure this in the amount of dopamine released in the basal ganglia. It's bigger when the reward was unexpected or when the reward is bigger than it was supposed to be. Pretty easy to manipulate this circuitry whether you know the neuroscience or not. And that's not just Groupon's business model. Half our economy is built around the idea of the bargain, of getting something for nothing, of being constantly and pleasantly surprised. On the other hemisphere, an unpleasant surprise contains just as much information as a pleasant one, but it don't release no dopamine. Animals who are expecting that hit get angry. I've seen rats biting the lever bar that they were pressing when they're disappointed. I've seen monkeys kicking and banging like screaming toddlers when they got some visual discrimination wrong. The other half of our economy is built around managing the disappointments of investors, trying to make sure they never receive a nasty surprise when the market opens. It doesn't work, of course, but the amount of effort that we put into trying to avoid disappointment is kind of revealing in and of itself. I have exactly this same correction problem in teaching classes. My students honestly seem to believe that being smart means they will be right all the time. Part of that's probably the consumerist idea that they're buying a grade or a degree the same way they'd buy a ticket to a movie, but I think it goes deeper than that. According to my very basic understanding of evolution, information theory, all this, they have to make some mistakes in order to learn. But they hate mistakes. They especially hate public mistakes. Embarrassment or a loss of status is a horrible, scary thing for a social animal. So I can manage that to some extent by having them click in to answer questions anonymously. And that actually does seem to help. I can reduce the stress level in the room with the right kind of laughter, but I'm still working on that basic asymmetry between happy mistakes and angry mistakes. And I make lots of errors myself in that process. To be honest, that's probably the thing that pisses students off the most, finding out that their teacher doesn't know everything. Every semester, I have to draw the distinction between ignorant and stupid and label myself as ignorant of very many things. I'm a little more successful at managing my own responses. Given my personality and my scientific training, making corrections is not that big a deal to me. I'm not a journalist. My career's not at stake over this podcast. At least I don't think it is. I might be wrong about that. Well, that's it for this week. Tune in next week. I'll have an interview with my son, who is in his own mind at least, one of the world's leading fourth grade experts on Beyblades. What do spinning tops have to do with evolution? Well, wouldn't you like to know? VSI is produced by me, Randall Hayes, and Lauren Branch at North Carolina Agricultural and Technical State University with support from the National Science Foundation. Thanks for listening.